Welcome to the Faith and Belief Forum podcast. We work towards a society with strong interfaith relations where difference is celebrated. Join us as we delve into questions of faith, belief, identity, and more with fascinating guests from diverse communities and organizations across society. During the coronavirus pandemic, we're talking to people from faith and belief communities across Britain about how they are dealing with this challenging situation, how they're coping, adapting, and sometimes innovating. I'm Philip Ebring, Communications Manager at the Faith and Belief Forum, and this week I'm talking to Simon and Keeley Bateson, lead pastors of Riverside Vineyard Church in Whitstable. We talked about how they are staying connected to their faith and their community during times of social distancing. This interview was recorded shortly after Easter, and we also discussed if the Christian festival took on a slightly different meaning during the COVID-19 epidemic. We hope you enjoy this week's episode and come back for more podcasts with different faith communities in the weeks to come. My name's Keely and I'm married to Simon. We've lived most of our married life, we've been married 30 years in, in the Midlands, particularly in Birmingham, where we were part of um, a big church called Birmingham Vineyard and we were on the staff team there, on the pastoral staff team. And then about five years ago, we felt that God was nudging us, that there was a new assignment for us. And we didn't know what that was. We didn't have any plans to leave Birmingham or our family. But it became clear that there was another job that we needed to look at. And that kind of ended up with us moving down here to Whitstable to take over this church, Riverside, um, which is a, a large, a large complex, a multi-use complex. We are here as the, the lead pastors, which is another word for ministers. And we lead the church here of about 250, 300 people. But there's lots more going on than just a Sunday service, if you like, which we can talk about later. But that's that's who we are. Yeah, when we came, the church was in transition from uh, its traditional building uh, to uh, this factory they bought, which they wanted to refurbish. Uh, and so that gave us opportunities to cross the church over into a whole new season. And we have a, a strap line, which we say we want to be good for everyone. And so regardless of how people connect with us, whether they come through faith or whether they come to our cafe or they come because we organise an event here for the community or they rent space from us, we want everyone who engages with us to have a positive experience of of Riverside and so that good for everyone sort of mantra is sown through everything that we do in terms of the way we engage with the community. Tell me a little bit more about your church and, and your wider community you know what are things normally like you know when we're not in the middle of a, a global pandemic what would a sort of typical week say look like? Well we're fortunate at Riverside to have a quite a large space it was an old um, printing factory so it's um, it's a large space that we've we've actually converted the first two parts of that so that gives us lots of breakout space as well as the um as well as the auditorium space which gets used on the sunday for for worship uh it also provides space for um the community to hold events here we do lots of support groups we do a parkinson support alzheimer support um guide dogs for the blind carer support all these different groups come and meet here we have, yeah, we have a large cafe space with a large that's um, the heart of the building the community hub really isn't it? yeah we have um uh, on-site partners, we have uh, CSK, which is a youth charity that works helping um, young people find their education and work. And we also have a fostering agency on-site, Coldcott Fostering, who working hard to put people into, into long-term fostering. So we're very much a multi-use site, really, um, which I think was always part of our vision, that um, when people connect with faith, they see that actually 
faith is much more than just a Sunday service, actually. Everything that happens at Riverside has this altruistic, positive side to it. So all our partners on site, we're all working to basically help the community transform the community. Some of it from faith angle, some of it from a non-faith angle, but um, we have a very integrated kind of campus model here that, that was working really well. And so I imagine a lot of a lot of that uh, will have changed. You know, we're now during <coughs> lockdown because of the um, global coronavirus pandemic. What do you find has been the the biggest change or the biggest adjustment because of the situation? I, th- I think obviously the inability to meet together as church has been huge. Um, I, I think the church is a very relational church, and um, that's its strength. Um, and I think having to be creative about how we manage, um, how we maintain connection, I think has been really our key thing first and foremost. So doing online services, doing um, getting the church to regularly connect with each other in different ways, uh, small groups, making sure they, they, they can connect with the people in their groups. Even those who don't have access to um, computers or internet, we're posting out things to them or people are, are zooming into other people and holding the phone by the computer so they can stay connected. So lots of creativity around making sure people feel part of the community. Uh, obviously, the main change for us, I think, is really our auditorium now is, is, is effectively a food pantry. It's full of food <laughs> and food bags and food bank preparation. Before Christmas, we had this sense that we wanted to increase our pantry project to meet holiday hunger, which is when, when families who normally get school meals uh, during holiday time, they struggle because of the lack of provision for them. So we were increasing our pantry project to meet the needs in the area, working with the um, school family liaison officers, working with social workers. So we were already thinking about scaling up our, our pantry project here. And so when coronavirus hit, essentially the infrastructure that we, we'd been working on was in place. And, and we, we just uh, took that model and then ramped it up even further to begin to meet the needs in the community. So because our auditorium obviously isn't being used, the building's not being used, it's, it's, there's about five of us that are here now, all social distancing, but trying to keep things going, we were able to just clear that and that now has tables all around and, and food everywhere. So we've been able to use our space for that. So we're working with um, local councillors and local signposting organisations like Red Zebra and they're ensuring that the people who need the support, need the food or, or household goods or even hardship type grants can connect with the provision that we're drawing down. And so, yeah, for us, it's, um, it's a beautiful example of actually faith in action and, and that sense of being good for everyone, that sense of actually uh, people understanding that church is so much more than just this Sunday event. It's a community of people who love and care. And uh, I think it's giving us opportunity to, to really work alongside a lot of other organisations in the town and in the area who are working really hard. And we're all doing our little bit. We're all doing our, our, our part of the pie. And, that, and that's fantastic. Yeah, that sounds like a, re- a really great um, initiative. It'd be great f- to hear a little bit more about kind of how that works. You know, let's say if you are someone that needs to access the service and has a need, like how, how would you go about doing it? Well, pre-coronavirus, it was through the flows, the family liaison officers at schools. And um, well, it started off, to be fair, with just looking after people in our church who hadn't um, or people that we know. That's how Pantry Project has run for years, where say four times a year we would pack up some bags of food the church would donate say Easter summer harvest and Christmas and there'd be four times a year we would give meal bags you know bags full of things that they could make for a meal um, to people that we know and that's when before Christmas we thought we need to probably extend this out to the communities and so the flows of a, just a few school would say things like we've got 15 families that need 
big bags full of food and so we started off with just probably three schools and we were like quite blown away with what the need was and that was probably January February time so when coronavirus has now changed things so as people went into lockdown and couldn't get out much to get food our food supply started to dwindle that's when Chris Cornell the local councillor um, stepped in and he he wanted us to become a food distribution place for Whitstable. So he he kind of came up and met us, saw what we were doing, and he saw that the only people that were giving to us really, because it was an in-church project to start with, were the people in our church. And so they have been giving the food, but as they went into isolation or lockdown or whatever you want to call it, we were finding our food supplies, plus the fact you couldn't buy much from the shops, was drying up. And so he's really been pushing his contacts um, across Whitstable and Canterbury to be fair and look, talking to supermarkets and and other people restaurant owners and places who can wholesale buy for us and so he's really come alongside us and supported us and given us um, what we need in terms of profile in the area which is why we're quite widely known now we weren't before and it wasn't very public but now we are definitely known as the main place to supply food in Whitstable there's no forms to fill in um, we don't ask questions. If people ask for food, then we just willingly give it to them. We don't want it to be any red tape or anything to stop them accessing what they need. And that's something that we really feel passionate about. That you know, if somebody, it's hard enough to ask for help, and so people do. We don't want them to have to sit and fill in forms and prove anything. We're just being generous and and hoping that the food just keeps coming in. And actually, that's really changed around now, and we are getting different people supplying us. And so yeah, so that's how it works at the moment. We then give them usually too big, um, like, you know, the bag for life. We fill those with things that would try and help them through making some meals for the family. Um, and there's like a toiletries bag as well. So there's a food bag and a household items bag. And we try and do that two big bags if we possibly can for everybody who asks. But it's through self-referral or through any other method at the moment. A beautiful chaos, really. <laughs> we also work with a, an organisation called Fair Share, which is reduces food waste. And so Fair Share take surplus food from supermarkets and then redistribute it to charities. And so we work with Fair Share in Ashford as well to, um, and they've been fantastic at supplying uh, food that goes into food bags as well. About the more spiritual side of the church's mission and in sort of helping people stay connected to their faith during these times, what do you find uh, so the challenges have been, but also, you know, how have you been managing that in terms of helping people kind of live their faith and stay connected to their faith during this pandemic? I think there's an awful lot suddenly gone online. And so it's not like there's, there's nothing to look at. So Facebook is an amazing place. Obviously not everybody has that, but we're constantly sharing things that other churches have maybe put up, um, like the Church of England have put things up or other places that we know of. And if they're a great resource or just a thought for the day maybe, or a great link to a podcast, we're constantly sharing that with our people to say, watch this video, you know, this is a great resource. Or there's apps that have come out, like Soul Time is a great app and they've put a lot of COVID-19 resources on there to help people with anxiety. So we're constantly sharing from not just what we're doing, but from wherever we're finding things, we're telling our people, you know, use this, use this to stay spiritually alive. And then the things that we're doing is we send regular emails out to people. I have personally phoned, you know, over 100 people who are in the um, more vulnerable category or who are older and try to gauge where people are at within church and who are their support network. So, you know, pastorally, we're trying to keep on top of everybody and everybody knows that they need to contact us. Yeah. yeah. We've also set up a champion scheme in church so that if anybody 
um, has to go into isolation or can't shop or if they are shielded by the government we've allocated people from within church to be their champions so they're the ones shopping for them and making sure that's working for them getting prescriptions whatever they need so again trying to use what is the kind of the philosophy of church is that we all look out for one another that it doesn't just come back to me and Simon it's a very family orientated church and that is happening I mean, there are little pockets of people looking after people and lots of people phoning, like five people that they know. So I think it's just we've had to think on our feet and, and, and turn the ship around quite quickly. But I would say that we have done that. And because I think all churches have had to, we're all pooling resources of that's great. Let's just take that and post that and let, let our people have that as a resource. But the main thing we're having to do, obviously, is online services on a Sunday. So we record everything as best we can to try and replicate a Sunday so we have people who will record the worship the sung worship in their home and then they send it to us we still try and do the notices or the connections so I'm usually video doing something if I'm not speaking or vice versa and Simon will record his sermon and then we try and edit it together to be like an hour long service we're normally longer than that but we try and do an hour service and then that launches on Facebook at half past ten on a Sunday um, and then we have comments so that try that keeps people connected because people are saying oh hi it's lovely to see you and but it is a recorded service that goes out live um, on a Sunday morning we put that on our website as well and as Simon said we post out sermon notes to those who don't have internet so it's trying to just think outside the box and be multifaceted in everything we do thinking how can we make sure we reach every member of our congregation whilst also reaching the community who want nothing to do with our church we want them to know that we love them and that God loves them in this time. I think the other thing as well that is working well for us is Alpha. We're doing, we had an Alpha course running before the lockdown and we're now doing Alpha on Zoom. Alpha is a fantastic introduction to the Christian faith. It's, um, it's something I would personally, I was, as an atheist, a young atheist in my late teens, early 20s, I would love to find, find an Alpha course personally. <laughs> I never did. We find it an incredibly useful tool to help anybody just engage with faith um, with no strings attached. We just get together normally around food. Uh, we, we get to know each other. We watch the video content and then we have a chance to chat and think about it. And we found Alpha an incredibly effective way of just creating community, first of all, and then secondly, allowing people to explore faith. Uh, so we're not, we're no longer watching the films. We're just getting together as the Alpha group and just talking and sharing and exploring faith. Um, and that's working really well for us because it's given people the opportunity to, to ask difficult questions, to sort of share feelings. And it's working remarkably well, actually. The group that we've got, it's about 13 of us in that group. Um, lots of spiritual seekers, lots of people, the first time around encountering faith. And they can, and they can sort of bring this, the issue of COVID into a faith environment. And, um, and that's working brilliantly. We really find that's working well. So we were really worried that we'd lose the momentum, but actually things like Zoom, have enabled us to maintain that and um and so and so that's been really good for us actually and it's not a sausage machine you don't go in one end and come out the other as a, as a product it's all about relationship it's all about connection and that's what we're finding really um is helping this group that we talked about during this time that, that the sense of being part of a bigger community particularly those who feel more isolated has been so beneficial we also have about 15 small groups within our church that meet um midweek um, so they're trying to do Zoom calls, Zoom meetings. Uh, and so people are trying their best to, to try and carry on, although it's very different, to try and keep connection within their groups. They're having the youth are doing things like Zoom quizzes and 
our assistant pastor who oversees the youth and the younger adults he's doing sofa chats and you know interviewing so it's just everything's kind of gone online and pushing every avenue to keep connection and you know to keep momentum really um because this kind of thing could it could just you could feel like everything stopped but actually it hasn't there's a lot of activity going on and we just wanted to keep on going so that when we do come back together it doesn't feel like much has changed although a lot will have changed but it doesn't feel like we've all just stepped off and then come back together we're trying to keep it that everybody feels like there's been as much possible connection as possible and do you find that people's faith becomes more important in a situation like this you know we're in the middle of a global crisis and do you find that on the one hand that you know people's faith become more important in a situation like this but also that it may throw up different kinds of spiritual questions when we're in a situation like this i think um there's a, there's a verse in the book of hebrews in the scriptures which talks about everything that can be shaken will be shaken uh, so the unshakable is remains and um and i think what something like this does it sort of renders us right back down to it distills us back to what's important in life and so we found actually i think if you've just been around church and you've been around religion and you've been around tradition i think when those things are stripped away it can be difficult because uh, those things sometimes can be sort of props rather than get to the essence of actually what faith is christian faith is a very personal faith it's a faith that we believe where, where a person can have a very personal relationship with god and uh, so we've been doing a series about how to pray during this, this, the early part of this pandemic. And I've been really encouraging people into the secret place that Jesus talked about, where, where it says that, that God the Father is waiting to meet us. And so I'm hoping that actually that God will redeem this time and people's faith will come out stronger. Because when things are stripped away and when you get back to basics and back to fundamentals, I think it gives a chance for faith to be sort of reborn and, and refocused. And a lot of people have been around church, around religion around tradition and sometimes that can get in the way of actually what real vibrant personal faith is so for us we're finding that actually um, people are finding it hard the lack of connection they are finding that hard the lack of physical connection particularly but a lot of people are going on real spiritual journeys at the time real pilgrimages personally um, and I think it's refining their faith and actually I, we've not really heard people getting angry with God we've not really heard people sort of railing at God there's always questions I think what the Christian faith does at its essence is it, it Jesus was very good at talking about the, the mystery of faith and the open-endedness of faith. He was very good at telling stories that didn't close out with Hollywood endings. He left that mystery, that sense of journey. And I think if we can reintroduce some of that back into faith, I think it helped us cope with situations like we face today because there aren't always easy answers. There aren't always, you know, silver bullets that are going to solve issues. Um, and I think it, helped, it, it creates capacity within us to cope with life in a better way when we we get we, we sort of reframe our faith around some of this open-endedness that Jesus was particularly good at communicating. I think as Christians as well you know we're not immune to suffering you know this isn't like if you're a Christian you're not going to um, suffer at all with Covid you know you're not going to lose a loved one you know but I think the difference is we we enter suffering with a hope that maybe the world doesn't have or people without a faith don't have so although there are still people struggling or suffering loss of their jobs or whatever this pandemic is giving them at the moment you know there is definitely heartache and suffering going on amongst Christians but but we suffer with a hope and that hope is in a in a greater thing so like Simon said that I haven't heard a lot of people 
really angry and questioning their faith I think those who have even a tiny bit even the people on the alpha course who've only just started to be introduced to God they're actually leaning more into God because they need that hope otherwise they feel what is the point so they're kind of trying to suffer but with hope um, so that's been our experience that people are leaning into God pushing into God more because they've got nothing else left so that stripping away is definitely causing people to to yes, ask questions, but hold on to God at the same time. What has been the most challenging aspect of this whole situation? I think there are a number of facts. I think if you're a person who's normally active, or, or a lot of a lot of Christian leaders normally, as you say, are quite driven, are quite are quite activity based, are quite used to creating content or or, or, or being very active. I think so. This sort of um, being made to sort of slow down and sort of reframe, I think, is, is quite a, is quite a difficult initial adjustment it's like a dislocation from where you are where you were to where you are but i think personally i think it's been a very good i think it's a great opportunity for the church to take stock about what is important how do we connect with community how do we value community we started the year by doing a whole series on slowing john mark comer has done a fantastic piece around this about unhurry and really slowing down and really going back to some of our roots really um in terms of, of, of solitude and quiet and sabbath and and I think we, we did that at the start of the year and that, and that helped us, I think, as we entered this time. We were already trying to think about how do we slow, how do we, how do we get free of the, all the distractions that grab our attention 24-7. I think it's funny because the irony is we tried to say, let's get away from screens, but we spend more time now with, <laughs> with screens. But maybe we're using screens in a much better way than we used to. Rather than trying to escape from others, we're actually now using screens to connect with others. And I think, I think it's a great opportunity for the church to think about you know what is important i don't i don't think that the western church model if you extrapolate for the next five years i think it was running out of steam anyway i think the, i think it needs something to, to rebirth it something to refresh it and perhaps in a bizarre way covid will help to do that uh, help to sort of reframe you know what it is to create real community in faith and actually really connect and serve our communities so i think for us initially it was that, it was that slowing down it was that change uh, we personally have had our, our son live with us um, for 14 days, self-isolating. Um, a Navy nurse who developed COVID symptoms had to come home. And so we had to go into complete isolation, which was, uh, again, I think the Lord redeemed that. I think we, we had time with him, which was precious. But I think it's just that, it's just, it's just trying to get away from that pressure to feel like you have to be or do or deliver to maintain relevancy. I think it's actually, it, it, our security has to go back into Christ. And I think... We're talking to our friends. We've got lots of friends in the church in Whitstable. The church together in Whitstable is very strong. There's about 12, 13 different churches represented, all different streams. And I think we, some of those streams are finding it harder than others. They haven't got access to the resources. They haven't got access to the technology. They may not have the skill set, being of an old generation. And we're trying to serve them and help them and, and, and say, look, it's okay. You know, you don't have to feel that pressure to produce amazing online content at this time because it can be really difficult if that's not not the the situation you're in so i think it's uh yeah i think i think it's just been that that, that slowing that changing gear and then coming back to actually what's important in faith i think for me my most challenging thing is just hearing the heartache that's going on that's a very real thing that as a pastor um and like me making phone calls you know like i've said it's not just about people having coronavirus it's people's jobs it's the it's just people suddenly their lives 
um, have changed. Weddings. Yeah, weddings that we've had. We've had people, we actually attended a Zoom wedding a couple of weeks ago with two people in our church who got married over Zoom and people logged in from all over the world and the minister was in his house and yeah, very interesting. But, you know, just I think it's, it's, it's hurting people on so many different levels and, you know, you just hear of something, gosh, you have never thought about that, you know, how that family's being affected is not how we're being affected. And so hearing that a lot is hard and just trying to be able to just listen to people and do what we can to help. But we can't always help every situation. Some some people are just in situations that they've just got to walk through it and we'll have to help them as and when things get back to normal. Um, but it isn't just financial. There are so many other things. Like I said, every every day really I'll hear about a new way this is affecting somebody and anxiety levels that's another thing you know you're hearing from people and you're just trying to manage that in the congregation or or in your friends that maybe aren't coming to church so I think pastorally there's a greater load just because people are struggling with things that they weren't struggling with a couple of months ago and now their lives are in a place where they have no choice but to face new issues so I think as you know as a church as church leaders that is a hard place to be in and constantly having to to reassure and love and and bring hope into those situations and is there anything in particular you've found that's been helpful or, or, or useful in in managing that i think for me i just i mean i have to be conscious that when i've heard a lot of stuff i have to take all that stuff to god because otherwise i would carry it so I I listen to people, try and practically do what we can. Sometimes there are things that we can practically do when someone says something and they haven't maybe thought that anyone would be able to help. I might be able to connect them up with somebody that they don't know that might be able to relieve them of that situation. But sometimes it's just listening, offering to pray for them. We've got um, a prayer network across the church. So sometimes it's putting, if people want it, we put that out to the whole church for a prayer um, and so that the, the wider family can be supporting them. And then just making sure that I'm staying spiritually healthy whilst dealing with all of that so that I don't get weighed down, I guess. Yeah, I think because the, the fluid nature of church now, you have to still make sure there's some degree of, of, of sort of self-care. You could have Zoom calls every moment you wanted to. You could be connected with people continually. And so I think it's making sure self-care is there to make sure you've got a reservoir to draw from. I think that's also important for anyone in ministry at this time. And the nature of the job is that you're kind of on call 24-7 and... and you know, although you want to be strict and say, this is put your phone down, you know, for the evening, you also are aware that things can change so quickly. And I don't want to not respond. Like the other day, we had somebody who went into hospital with COVID who is um, chronic asthmatic and it's serious. And I wanted to be able to respond when, you know, her mom phoned and wanted a prayer request. Now you could say, well, you know, boundaries, but so I just have to make sure that I look after myself, especially. So last week was Easter, which is perhaps the the most important time of the Christian year. Obviously, people weren't able to celebrate that the way they normally would. What was that like, uh, celebrating Easter during lockdown? It was very strange. The week before, we were due to have some baptisms. We have um, full immersion baptism services, and that was the first strange week. We were like, that's so sad. We've got about six people, some on Alpha, that wants to be baptised. So that was the first kind of real realization that we can't meet together that's really sad and then there was easter and that's like i can't believe we're not you know you you go through in your head what would normally be happening on that sunday morning in the church full of people and and that was a very it was sad leading up to it so i suppose we just put all of our effort into making it the type of service that it would have been so 
we got some children to video themselves doing prayers and they sent those to us so that we added those in and we did like a bit of a puppet thing so we we tried to make it as family oriented as it possibly could be because it normally would be a family service at easter and just yeah just made it a very positive service and it was weird it was strange but it was still beautiful we still felt that we were celebrating the resurrection we had lots of comments afterwards and you know i think people did feel that they could celebrate everyone understands that this is not a normal situation and so i think they were grateful that they saw us we were leading they saw lots of other people in the church they saw the children who sent prayers in and it just felt like in that moment we were family celebrating the resurrection of jesus so it was strange we'd never have anticipated not being able to do that on easter sunday but we did it the best way we could and I think it still felt real and special. And normally on the Friday, we do a walk together as churches through through the town, on the coast and through the town and pray, pray at different parts and just celebrate. But obviously that couldn't happen this year. So that was, that was difficult. I mean, that's happened historically for years and years. years and years and years and years. And so to have to, to say we couldn't do that was difficult. So each church posted something on the, on the church together page to try and sort of say, you know, normally we'd be out praying for the town, but we, we still believe strongly that God, you know, is in our town. And um, so we had to do that sort of, again, in, in a virtual way rather than a, a physical way. So that, that was, that's hard because those things have been in the churches together, sort of diary forever, really. And so that was difficult. What are you most proud of since this, this, this situation started? Either that you, something that you've done or that uh, members of your community have done? I think I'm really proud of our church family, the way that they, the stories that I'm hearing of how people have stepped up and are looking after each other, that makes me as a pastor really proud um, because that's what you would want. You want it to be going on all the time, but when there really is a need, you know, when the whole church is covering one another, then that is really beautiful and it's something that I think we're both very proud of. And we do tell them, we tell them regularly, you know, we try and feed stories into what's happening. We email out stories and say, you know, we're so proud of how everyone's looking after each other and this story over there happened. Like we've got one lady in our church who um, works at a care home and uh, she's chosen to move in and uh, not come out, obviously, for the next four weeks. And that's an amazing thing. And they're allowing her that care home to, to show the services on the Sunday. So she's still connected and we're texting in and people are phoning her. And it's just, you know, I'm so proud of how people are stepping into the gap when you just think that's amazing. A few, few weeks ago, even they didn't know this was coming not to the degree it has and yet they're willing to sacrifice we've got people on the front line not just in the nhs but just doing supermarket jobs delivering everybody in our eyes who is out there working at the moment is someone to be proud of but also all the people isolating you know i'm really proud of our older congregation that those people who are older who have who are really doing well with that you know they're not breaking the rules and they've chosen to be sensible and stay in and let people look after them which is hard for some of that age group you know they're very independent and it's hard for them to say will you do my shopping so it's breaking down something in all of us where we realize how much we need community and so I personally am very proud of our church and how it's not just been something we've talked about we're now actually doing it and it's very real and I'm just proud of the town the way the town's come together it's brought out the best of the town I think the best in people the way people are rallying, supporting each other, uh, I think it's really special. There was a care home last week who had to go into lockdown and, and the residents' bedrooms didn't have any TVs in them. So uh, a shout out went out on Facebook and within a couple of hours they had TVs and DVD players because there wasn't aerials so they needed DVD players. But you know, that it's just that kind of thing is happening. You just think, what a 
what a beautiful thing that you'd never really be able to experience. People are just so willing to give of themselves, of their time, however they can. That's what it feels like. And that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Before we draw this conversation to a close, is there anything that you would like to share that you haven't had an opportunity to talk about yet? I think for me, um, I think it's to invite people to, I, I preached a few weeks ago, Jesus invited people to go into the secret place and close the door behind them. And so I said, rather than, rather than you feeling someone shut you in, you could actually feel like you've gone into that secret place and you've chosen to close the door. It says in, in the scripture, it says anyone who spends that time with God will be, there's a, there's a special reward there, there's a special manifest reward for people who choose to go into that secret place with God. So I would say to anybody, this is a fantastic time to discover God because you, you can use that space, that time when you're effectively shut in, you can actually find a little space. The word that Jesus used was a closet. You can find a cupboard, you can find a shed, you can find a corner of your garden and you can go and, and just pray the simplest prayer to God. In regards to what your faith experiences or faith belief is, you can just say, God help or God, you know, I'm, I'm anxious or you can pray the simplest prayer. And my belief is that God will meet you in, the, in that time and, and actually manifestly comfort you and be present with you. So I think it's an opportunity to redeem and reframe rather than feeling like something has been done to us. We can actively say, actually, I'm going to use this time to choose to, to connect with God in a way maybe I've never done before. So that's what I would encourage people to do. Simon, Keely, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. This podcast was brought to you by the Faith and Belief Forum. You can find us at faithbeliefforum.org and on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.